What's good, Illini Nation? It's your man in the middle, Deion Thomas. And as always, I bring you nothing but the best. Today, we got my man sitting with me, Chris Gandy. Coming up out of Bourbon A, one of the top players in the state of Illinois. Got down to the University of Illinois, did his thing. Yes, Illini Nation did his thing, and he's doing his thing now, blazing a trail in the financial industry, helping all of our young athletes, at least the ones that he represents, do the right thing with their finances and so forth. Chris Gandy, appreciate you joining me today, baby. How you doing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm here. I'm here on the, on the line that nation trying to do, trying to bring it back to the orange and blue as much as possible. I'm over here representing. I brought my hat in. So, you know, they don't let me walk around the office with my hat. So, you know, I had I mean, to at least big dog in the office. You can walk around whatever hat you want. <laughs> <laughs> I had to come represent. So, well, you know, no, I'm happy. To, I, I'm happy. A, I'm happy to be here. B, it's, it's, it's a privilege to, to, to be a part in, of this opportunity of, of just spreading you know, the right information and knowledge amongst the uh, Illini faithful and um, and always watching, uh, you know, the University of Illinois produce positive young men in society uh, is always a positive thing. So, well, big fella, as always, I appreciate you coming on and appreciate you joining us. We're going to hop right into it because I know you have a busy schedule. Why did you choose the University of Illinois? That's always one of those questions I, I, I ask everyone. And people, my, my listeners probably get tired of it, but I am a big why person on why people do things. You were one of the top players in the state. So with that being, I know there were multiple schools that were chasing you. What was it about Illinois that brought you home, that kept you home? So it's interesting, right, Dion? Because uh, we also were in the last year of our um, – of let's call it um, our challenging scholarship years, right? So we only had two scholarships that year also. Um, so um, kind of what brought me back to Illinois was was kind of three things. One was I kind of grew up watching the fight in the line. I mean, everybody wanted to be them that was in the state of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, you either wanted to be like Kendall or, 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 or like Lib, or you wanted to be like somebody down there, right? And uh and it was something to look up to. That was that was that was probably number three. Um, number two was for me. Um, it was important for me to to uh, for my mother to get an opportunity to see me play uh, in college. And um, you know, she she had never been on an airplane before. So you know, so for her, uh, champagne from uh, the booming metropolis of Kankakee or Bradley Bourbonnet was all of you know an hour and five minutes in the car. Right. So so that that was probably number one. And then and then number two was, um, you know, I thought Illinois was probably a pretty good fit um, for 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 me and my build. You know, Illinois typically is is a is a is a is a smaller um, team from uh, from a perspective of you look historically uh, it teams around the Big Ten. Um, I mean, how many seven? foot two guys have we had, you know, before our time that is not, it wasn't a ton, right. Illinois typically is a team that for me was always a, a team that, that was a little different than the rest of the big 10. Um, so even though I got recruited by a bunch of the, the schools in the big 10, you know, I thought, I thought if I was going to choose one, you know, I thought, um, you know, I was all done. I was, uh, I was signed, sealed and delivered to Ohio state with Randy Ayers. Right. I mean, that was a done, that was a done deal. Right. And then, um, you know, in the shakeup of scholarships or whatnot, uh, it just made sense for me to uh, go down to Champaign and, and see what I see what I could do. Well, I, I'll tell you this. You, you eventually ended up playing for two different coaches. Uh, you came in, I believe it was my junior year um, when you when you came in as a freshman. And I enjoyed playing right playing with you right away. I mean, I could see the talent. I could see all of those good things that. Uh, brought the staff to to Bourbonnet, Bradley Bourbonnet multiple times to to get you to come down there. You made a better choice to come into Illinois than going to Ohio State. I just got to say it personally. I'm not biased or nothing, but I think you made a better choice. <laughs> that was signed, sealed, and delivered to Ohio State. It was Ohio State, Louisville, and then Illinois, actually. Um, Scooter McRae um, recruited me heavily. Um uh, Louisville was known to get up and down the floor. And that was, that was kind of the style I, I thought that I would fit well into. Um, 
Randy Ayers, I, I liked him. I thought he was a, a good a good coach and, and he was a minority coach. So I always thought that, you know, playing for a minority coach for me just seemed like it was um, purposeful. Right. And uh, so um, I thought that was important, but when it all came down to it, it was the opportunity for my family to see me play. And it was, it was, uh, you know, when you add all those things up, you just say, okay, what makes the most sense if they're all equal, mm-hmm. Illinois is, is, is probably the best fit. So. Well, you, you said one thing, and I and I agree with you 100%. I think the mold of Illinois was the mold of that flying Illini team. It was never a big team. I mean, crap, I played center for right. three years um, before Shelly Clark came in. Um, I, I pretty much played center. Well, two years, because Andy Petty the first year, and then Shelly right. Clark our, our, right. our senior year. But, but you I, guys are the same size. It's funny. You guys are all the same size, right? You're You may be six – eight six seven and three quarters and Andy six nine and a quarter I mean you you know we're all essentially the same size right it's just bed better moves on the on the post than others right mm-hmm. and so um we all know who that the assassin you know those <laughs> who don't know Dion's name overseas was the assassin that's what they called him because of his footwork he just pretty much would uh would, would kill people on the block and, and just assassinate people. So, so y'all didn't know that, but I knew that. <laughs> no, but you, you 100% right. And that's, and that's actually where I was going. You know, I, even though I played center only two years, our centers weren't, you know, big lumbering guys, which allowed us to get out and play and play fast, um, which I thought fit you, fit me and, and fit the other guys that we played with was the speed right. and the tempo that we, that we were able to play at. Right. Right pull the big guy away from the basket, the ability to be able to take a couple dribbles and beat the big guy. Most big guys can't dribble, you know, would dribble off of the feet and uh, into the stands. So it was, it was a little different stretch, the offense a little bit. So, you know, Illinois just seemed and, and still, and still to me seems like the place that if you're, let's call it, I was a classic tweener, right. Is, is it didn't really fit the mold of a center. Cause I was what they call, slender athletic build <laughs> you, you and me both <laughs> I check the box right slender athletic build um and uh you know I, I, you know i had i had i had i had a little bit of flame in this in this hand right i had I, no i could i could i could stroke it a little bit deep right so uh you know that to be able to do that and in, in the in the fold of an offense right mm-hmm. right is um is is challenging um but you know, um, after me came Brian Cook, which is, you know, if you took me and grew me three inches, it's Brian Cook, literally verbatim, right? You know, and and then after him came another one. I mean, so it just kind of kept going after that kind of that stretch for um, that could they could play the three and the four type scenario. Yeah, and you're right about the whole tweener. For those that don't know what a tweener is, it's, it's exactly what it sounds. You're in between positions. You're not a small forward, you're not a power forward, or you're not a power forward and you're not a center. So you're kind of in between that position. When you came in, Chris, you brought a skill set that is really comparable to a lot of the players today. I mean, you had the ability to be able to put the ball on the floor. As you mentioned, your jump shot, you had the ability to be able to play in the post um not that you played that much in the post because it was me that was stuck in there (laughs) you were kind of on the outside when we were in there together but you brought an array of skills um when you came in as a freshman how did your development go from you know your your of course early stages to high school to being able to bring that level to illinois into your freshman season well in in high school dion i played center Right. Mm-hmm. And so we played four out, one in. Right. And I, I just kind of roamed the block and inside and, you know, 19 feet or 18, 15 feet and in. I typically was the guy to just create, you know, I'd give the ball in the post. I could face up. I could play with my back to the basket and I just could jump over people. Right. right. You know, there was flat out. I was more athletic than 90 percent of people that were playing in high school. So, you know, it didn't take a lot of of skill to 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 play inside for me. I think um, coming down to the University of Illinois, everybody can jump, right? And uh, and uh, playing in the Big Ten, so I had to develop. I always had a, uh, I always had a jump shot, right? One of the things my coach taught me growing up was if you could hit a fifteen to seventeen foot jump shot consistently as a big man, 
you got a shot at playing at a very high level of college. So, you know, we would shoot five to a thousand jump shot, 500 to a thousand jump shots a day from the time I was a, um, a freshman in high school. I mean, so, you know, shooting a jump shot at 10, 15 feet. I mean, that was, that was a layup for me. Right. And so, you know, it, it, it was, it literally became, you know, my signature towards the end of my career because of the way we opened up the floor, right? The way we opened up the floor was um, a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop, pick and, pick and flare, those type of plays that allowed for me to get distance, separation, and then, you know, be able to create off the dribble if necessary with athletic ability. So, you know, that allowed for mismatch, you know, matchup madness many a times uh, for a lot of people, big guy on me, I'm either going around you or I'm shooting over you. Right. And, um, and a uh, little guy on you, it's uh, the torture chamber. If, you know, if that happens. So, you know, yeah, it just became a, it became an opportunity, but I'd say it just, it just progressed over time. Um, the university of Illinois, one of the things I had to learn, especially playing against guys like you and Robert Bennett and Shelly and some of those other guys was I had to learn how to actually play the post. I, don't know. I, I thought I knew how to play the post, but, my footwork compared to the footwork of, of I'm not even going to compare it to yours because yours is ridiculous. Um, but if I compared it to the footwork of, uh, of some of the other players around, you know, around university, I mean, I was average at best, you know, playing the post. But again, I was more athletic than 90% of the big men that we had. So I could try and elevate, get a little separation and, and make a couple of post moves. But I, now, that was slender and built. I mean, you were um, you were a linebacker compared to me, right? I came into university at six, 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 seven, wearing all of soaking wet, two hundred and twelve pounds, two hundred and eleven pounds, right? I mean, I, you know, you know, I was I, I was I was I was light behind me, right? So I I, I didn't possess the physical capability mm. of even being able to just. So I had to do that first, right? As was the work on the physical part of the of, of playing at that type of level. Right. And um, then after that, then it was the actual skill of being able to actually do those post moves and be, you know, not travel, be able to reverse pivot. You know, the basic things that you figure you learn in high school, but not when you're overly athletic, right? Overly athletic, you just out athletic people and, you know, people are like, wow, you can play, right? Um, at that level, though, you, you really got to know the, the minutia and the detail of, of um, playing the post. Well, I, I'll tell you this. I think you were being a little bit harder on yourself than, than than you actually were. You were a good player when you came in there. But you're right. Coming in as a freshman, and I had to go through the same thing. I had to you had to build your body. You have to continue to learn. You have to continue to grow from those that that are older than you, you know, the upperclassmen that were there before you. You learn these things. You you pick them up quick, young fellow. Let me say yeah. that. You, you you pick them up quick and you you know. So when you got there. You, you see all of these, you, you pinpoint the things that you need to work on. You always had the work ethic to get them done. We go on this run, we play really well. You, of course, were a big part of, of the things that we were doing and going through, even as a young player. Can you talk about how some of those adversities of coming in as a freshman, having to deal with, as you mentioned, myself and Rob Bennett and Shelly helped you mentally when, you know, not just as a player, but um, as a player, as a student during your time there at Illinois. Yeah. Well, well, there was a couple of things that I thought that, you know, you were, you were, you were always, you always looked out for me. So that, you know, I know you guys, don't, if you're listening to this, you know, if, if, if Dion had a little brother in college, it was me, right. He, he looked out <laughs> for me when I, when I got to university of Illinois and I uh, was like, no, don't do this. No, don't be stupid. This is ridiculous. Yeah, no, do this. And, and you know, do this and you need to do this, right? So, so he, he, you know, the idea of having somebody kind of look out for you is always, you know, uber important. But I think I needed to mature, right? And, and, and part of that is, is playing against people that are better than you consistently, right? And um, you really don't get to that level unless you're playing an all-star game, which you may not be pay playing all that serious or whatever, um, or in college, right? And so um, maturity for me had to happen um, both, um, you know, externally and, and, and internally. Um, and so um, 
learning the ways of, of, of college basketball, right. And learning what it took to, to, to excel at the, at the classroom. You know, my first year I was Dean's list. Um, my, my, my first, my first semester. Right. And then second semester was, I got this. I got it. I got it. Lynn, I know, I don't, you know, in the second semester, um, I was, uh, potentially on, uh, probation. Right. So, so, you know, it was all of a sudden like, wait a minute, how did you get, you know, uh, a B bunch of C's and a D like, how did, how did you go from A's and B's to that? And once, you know, so, so it, it just became one of those things where I had to learn how important. And so through that process, you know, I never thought under no circumstances was playing, you know, my idea was getting to college and having an opportunity to, to leverage college sports to, to get an education. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, well, you know, I'm here because I'm here to play basketball to eventually go play professionally. I, I had, I had no, it wasn't even a, <laughs> when I tell you it wasn't so far out of the, out of the, out of the conversation, it was just, it was just one of those things. I, I use basketball as a tool. My mother once told me, she said, use basketball as a tool to get what you want. Right. And so I knew I needed an education. Right. And I knew that once I had an education, no one could take it from me. So um, I use the, the process, so to speak, to, 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 to leverage that for the education piece. And so I was always, after that, I was always a kid that, that didn't never have a problem with his studies or his books. Right. So so I was a I was a true student athlete, right? Um, that you know I played sports, but I really went there to to get an education because I figured one day it was a dream with a deadline and it would eventually end. So, but along the way, I had some good times, and you know I met some great people and had some great experiences and learned how to play basketball. And and lo and behold, got a shot, right? Who knew? That that is definitely one of the things that I want to talk to you about later on this podcast is, is because you and I share that, you know, and I think that's one of the things that endeared you to me. Basketball, I I was never an NBA or bus kind of guy. I I knew that I needed to play basketball in order to get to college in order to change my life. And and now that was the way I looked at it. And if something happened, great. If it didn't happen, it wasn't my focus. So I think that's one of the things that endeared me to you. And I saw how passionate you were about, you know, school. Like you were a student athlete, I was a student athlete. Coach didn't have to come and figure if I was in class the same as he didn't have to figure if you were in class. Right, right. But, you know, you you started off having a really good career. Now, I'm going to move this back to basketball before we move to that other piece. Because you played for two different coaches. I did. You know, unfortunately, you know, Lou was had moved on and then you were able to play for Coach Kruger. Mm-hmm. Can you tell a little bit about how the difference between the two? Because I'll say this. And of course, you were younger and you had to go through the process and you had to grow. Mm-hmm. But I think you benefited from the Lou Henson era that really helped you jump off during the Kruger era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 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 so is your question, what was the difference between the coaches or what was the difference in me at that time? What was, well, what was, the, both. okay. Okay. So, uh, so the major start di- off with the coaches and then you can tell yeah. how those, yeah. how that forms you to get, move you forward. Yeah. So, 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 so the thing that was different, the major thing that was different, I mean, most people don't even know this, but I started all four years. Right. Because I would go in and jump ball and then I would actually do a couple things and then coach would be like, get out. And I'm like, OK, cool. Well, I'm going to sit down. Right. You know, so, you know, and even even my sophomore year, you know, I, I, I was right under like eight points a game. So so it wasn't like I wasn't playing. I just wasn't playing a significant role in the games. Right. Where I felt like I, I, you know, I could do that. Right? I can play. And there were certain games where I'm out there at the end of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. I just recall Michigan and you're like man, do your thing, big fella. Let's get you the ball. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not even an upperclassman, right? Why y'all trying to get me the ball? Because, man, you hot, man. Let's go Let's go with you. And I'm like, exactly. Oh, right. But I, I think, I think uh, you know, the difference between the two coaches um, is, is significant, right? And, and the reason why it was significant is because if we look at the way, we look at Coach Henson, not just his record, but we look at the, the era in which he grew up in, 
right? The era he grew up in was a big man's a big man, a guard's a guard. You don't mix the two, right? It's like oil and water, right? You're either one or the other, right? And um, being a tweener, you're, you kind of got some skills of both, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the big men would primarily stay inside or, or face up and uh, the, the, you know, the, the guards would stay, out, would stay outside. And so when you ran an offense, um, it, that was the set. Right. Um, you moved to Kruger and Kruger said, I remember our first day of practice. He said, look, y'all two are seniors. We going with y'all. We going to win. We going with y'all. And uh, so we going to go off what you guys do really well. And we're going to manage everything else. And so, you know, we were, you know, we would run and we would, we would, pre- and we would press uh, 80% of the time just to create chaos and turn the ball over. Right. Which allowed for us as younger as, as to, to be able to run, get out, you know, make things happen. Um, that was a difference. I think what Kruger did was Kruger didn't come in and say, here's how he had sets and things we were going to do, but he didn't automatically have a, 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 um, a type of the way in which we were going to play because of our size or because of what in his, his mind, he thought we should be. Right. right. And so um, we, you know, me, Jerry G. I mean, if you look at our, if you look at our size versus the size we were when you were, and it's just, it's a tale of two tapes, right? If you look at the size we were by the time I got done, then the size we were when you were in college, we were small compared to what you were in college. I mean, I was six, eight, six, nine. G was six, eight. Brian Johnson was six, five, six, six. I mean, Ryan Blackwell, six, seven, six. I mean, that's it, right? You know, so, and we all could play the four and at times could play the three. You know, Jerry Jerry at times would play inside, but he was a three or four. I mean, so we were all fairly interchangeable Mm -hmm. from that perspective. So we really didn't have a true center. And so since we didn't have a true center, that means that either A, we had to outcondition everybody and just run them to death. Or B, we had to get up shots and be able to get ourselves more shots than the rest of the team. I remember Coach saying something that was kind of interesting. It's just his philosophy. He said, if we get more rebounds and we and we shoot more shots, we're going to win. That's what he said. Right? He said, if we shoot more, if we actually take more shots and get more rebounds, we will win. We're going to win 90% of the games. He's like, so that means that we got to be in better shape than the rest of the team. So um, the major difference between practice is, Dion, we ran – you want to talk about running? <laughs> really? uh, Kruger had us press literally from the time we came to practice to the time we left. Wow. I mean, so so the the type of shape we were in was different, right? Whether it was three quarter court press and or half court press or full court press, but the problem was the I ran the point of the press. And do you oh. know what the point of the press is like? Oh <laughs> you yeah, run oh. The, you run from the out of bounds line to the first trap to the second trap, which was on which the, is other, hopefully side on the, the other side of the court back to under the basket. Right. So the type of shape I got in my senior year was just unbelievable um, compared to, you know, the, the, the shape. And I was in pretty good shape, but the type of shape to be able to run up and down the floor and be able to comfortably shoot, shoot shots and be able to get distance and be able to do those things was just, it was easier in coach Kruger's program. Right. Um, and because of that, you know, I was able to, 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 to hit that second team all Big Ten because of that, just because I was able to do some things and then be able to wrap in some of the things that I learned while I was playing with you guys uh, as I was younger. But you, you took right. You took my, my next point. So senior year coming along, as you mentioned, four year starter. But now you make second team all Big Ten, which ushers you into a professional career. Yeah, uh, I, I believe it was San, San Antonio okay. and the Bulls, correct? In the NBA. Yeah, I was a free agent, and, yeah. And then yeah. went to France, correct? Yeah. So tell a little bit about that transition, because I think every at every level, there's growth. Yes, so yes. you grew from high school to Illinois, from freshman year to senior year growth. Talk a little bit about that growth from your senior year into the NBA and playing in uh, France. Sure. 
So, so the NBA opportunity kind of came up um, because I wasn't a draft pick, right? So my agent called me, he goes, hey, Chicago, I want you to come work out. They li like you, right? And I had went to um, pre-draft camp and I had went to a couple of things and had did my thing, right? And people were like, oh, he's crazy athletic and he's got a jump shot that's just unbelievable, right? We like him, right? In an NBA, it's all about matchups and exactly. your ability to create shots and, you know, it is what it is, right? And so... For me, um, uh, the NBA was actually easier. The professional sports was easier transition for me than college. Mm -hmm. It actually was because it's more one-on-one -on -one and your ability to be able to get your shot. I mean, so I didn't have to necessarily, you know, um, I learned playing under crew to play to your strength, right? So, you know, I get a big guy's take them off the dribble, one, two dribbles, pop up and shoot a jump shot, right? I don't have to go all the way to the basket. Or if I beat him to the basket, you better dunk over him, right? So it was just like, it was, I was able to, it was, it was Kruger's preparation for me, prepared me. It was the transition to playing professionally was much, 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 much easier. So when I went to Chicago, I showed out. I went to Chicago, crazy. And they were like, whoa, okay, this is the same kid. Um, but again, I, I still had trouble. I didn't, I didn't learn. And it's funny. It's funny. I, I look, I, I think about this. I didn't really learn how to handle the ball. Like now I can, I can bring the ball off the board you know, and bring it up the floor and things like that. But I didn't learn that at yeah. Illinois. So you think about it. I learned how to play the post at Illinois. Right. And so I remember coaches should be like, take one dribble and either yeah, you don't get create a shot then, you know, or go to basket pass. Right. They didn't teach us. We didn't, how many, I mean, think about it. How many times do we work on me and you work on ball handling, dribble, ball handling skills um, up and down the floor or bringing the ball up and down the floor on our own. In did, practice. Did, did not happen. And that's yeah. why yeah. when you talked about the era that coach Hanson played in, yeah, it's different as opposed to the other eras, that's not what they did. And, and, yeah. and I think kids, and I, I think this is why the skill level of level of kids is so much higher today than when even when I played and, and even when you played. And I think that goes with it. Yeah. You're right. That development from, from Coach Cougar and him playing to your strength and pushing you along definitely um, was, was part of, uh, of what helped you when you got to the professional level. Yeah. I remember in the NCAA tournament, Coach goes, all right, they're double teaming Kiwan. Um, Gandy, bring the ball to the floor. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Okay, like we have been practicing it, right? So he's like, you can handle it. Don't worry about it. Like he moved on to something else. And so he's like, you got this? I'm like, yeah, right? Okay, bring the ball off the floor, right? And so it just never dawned on me that how important, right, the, the ability to be able to handle the basketball. We, we understand it's a principle, right? But your ability, I can handle the ball better than 90% of people. But being able to handle the ball for a purpose is different. Sure. Being able to handle the ball and be able to create, being able to handle the ball and be able to understand how screens work and be, you know, we didn't learn that as big men. So, right. so you get to the pros and now I'm learning that with professional players, right? You know, it's a, it's a different ball game. So um, that just helped me kind of mature and learn that, you know, between Chicago and, and, and San Antonio with Carr and those guys down there, that's a great program. Um, I spent a little time with the Clippers too, but, um, you know, um, overseas, um, I literally played the two, I played the two, three, four, and five. Right. Like, so they were like, get the, I got the ball off the boards and it was just like, let's go. Right. And, uh, we're, I'll start the offense. We go. Right. And it was, it was different. So I spent, you know, a year, a year and a half, literally every day handling the basketball. So I remember when I came back and people were like, man, you can really handle it. <laughs> and I'm like, I kind of learned this from actually doing it because I didn't have a choice. Right. So it was, it was, it was really, it was really interesting to kind of, um, you know, play and then kind of see what are the things you need to develop, but not be, not focusing on developing those until you actually get there. So, so that's, that's, it's, 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 it's it was an interesting journey that way um, from mm -hmm. playing. Um, if I would have known what I know now, right. I would have forced myself in high school to learn how to bring the ball up the floor, to learn how to read uh, screen and rolls um, from a from the dribbler's perspective, not from the roller's perspective or the picker's perspective. You know, I would have learned how to create space and um, 
I learned how to u- utilize a reverse pivot um, while dribbling and, and, and be able to do those. Like, I didn't learn those things until literally playing professionally. No, I, and I completely understand. It. And it's so funny when you, when you talk about that, you talk about your time. I, I, when I got to Dallas, when I got drafted by Dallas, one of the first things, well, I shouldn't say one of the first things, one of the last things they told me, Coach Mata called me into his office and says, Dion, we have to teach you how to be a small forward. He was like, you've, you've played, you know, the power forward to center through college and through high school. Right. right. My, now, and so when the offer came from Europe, which was, you know, it was better than what, you know, my, my rookie offer was in, in Dallas, I chose to go to Europe. And like you said, when I got there, you know, I'm thinking I'm going to be playing this four position like it was a typical four position. And I'm guarding a guy that's like 6'11", and he stops and he pops from three-point line. I'm like, what the heck is this? Right, right. Had to learn for a totally different game, well, which is today's game. I had to learn it way back in 1994, as you said, how to read pick and rolls, how to put the ball on the floor, how to get – and all of those things came, you know. So skill development was – hugely important when we didn't have it before so i'm going to pull you into this next realm because you did something that most athletes or too many athletes don't do you got to a point in your career when you were like okay i can keep doing this or i can start to build my future Right. What, what was that decision like for you? And as we talked about skill development on the basketball court, it's the same thing moving into what I call the real world, because being an athlete isn't real. Um, <laughs> and I think you will agree with me on that. And I tell people, I tell, try to tell young people this all the time. What you're doing now is not real. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's real because you can touch it, feel it, see it. And it's your experience right now. But when you walk out of these doors or your career has come to a halt, you will actually see what the real world is. And a lot of people struggle with that. But let's go back. Let's start at the beginning with that. And as you sit back and you soul search and you're like, okay, it's either this or this. What what pushed you in that direction? And how was that? coming to, how did you come to grips with, it was time to move on? Yeah. Um, What's well, interesting, D. Um, again, I, 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 I never, you know, I, the psychology behind it, right. I, I never displaced what I did for who I was. Right. And so, and so, yes, I played basketball, but a basketball player was not who I was, right. who I, who I am. Right. And so, who I am. So, 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 so the challenge there is I, I think so many players uh, mistake, have this mistaken identity, right. And, and, and the mistaken identity is they, they want to be so much who other people want them to be and not who they, who they are. Right. And so it's hard to not be that person because that's where they they feel like their identity is. Right. And so um, my transition was, was a little bit easier. Um, just simply because physically I wasn't capable of doing it at the level I was used to playing. Right. So second year overseas coming down um, and a uh, ball goes up. It was a fast break. I was at the point. It was, a, we, we, we were pressing point guard. Uh, I stole the ball, gave it to the point guard, point guard, missed the layup, came off and a uh, ball came off the heel of the rim, came off. I went back, tried to grab it, and uh, I was too far away, couldn't tip dunk it, and came down, and my knee gave out. So the, so the terrible trash. So three ligaments one time, you know, that, that's, pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty final. Um, and I remember them saying that, hey, your career, you know, your career is pretty much – it could be over. And I'm like, yeah, not on my watch, right? I'm going to walk out on my own terms. You'll never – there will never be a situation where you tell me it's my time to go. I'm going to leave on my own accord. So – you know, I came home, uh, went back down to the University of Illinois, rehab with Rod Cardinal, uh, the Master. captain down there, Master. you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and Kruger welcomed me back and said, hey, you know, play with the guys, you know, no problem. Uh, they told me 12 to 16 months, uh, DL's back playing in four, um, you know, fully functional at six or seven and signed a contract in eight. 
uh, to go back and play overseas. And, and the whole intent was I went back to play in Europe simply because they told me it was over. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about playing at that point. <laughs> I, I wanted to play, but it was simply because you told me I couldn't do it anymore. Exactly. Right. So you tell me, you tell me I can't play no more. Okay. And then I went, I remember calling the team that I was on before and they were like, well, you know, we're not going to sign you. You know, we saw the injury. There's no way you're back to normal. And I'm like, and again, in my head, I know I'm, I'm not back to normal, but I'm still better than 95% of the, of the guys I'm playing against. So even if I'm, even if I'm 95%, I'm better than those guys. Right. So, exactly. so let's call this what it is. And they were like, well, no. So I called the team that we played against that we beat in the championship the year before in one of the quarterfinals. And I called them and I said, listen, I'll come play for you for the minimum this year. Here's what I made last year. I'll play for half of that this year. And I want to play. And I, my goal is so I want to play against the team that essentially cut me. I don't care about the rest of this. Right. And they had picked up. Here's one for you. They had picked up Conzo Martin. Oh, <laughs> so Conzo was over there playing with me before he uh, they found out he had a heart issue um, yeah. over there. Um, he was over there playing in France with me. Um, and I remember when we sat down and we played them, D. And I said, I said, Conzo, man, y'all in for it today, brother. He said, man, I heard you got hurt here playing last year. I said, man, I'm about to give y'all the business. He said, OK, I told I told the coach, I said, give me the ball every time. I don't care what happens. I said, either they're going to foul me or I'm going to score. That's it. That's the only two things that are going to happen from this point going forward. Um, D, I had 43 in the first half on him. I was, I told him, I said, look, this is, this is going to be one of those nights for you. <laughs> right? you know, and it was one of those nights for him. And, uh, you know, that, that was one of those, that was one of those, um, you know, one of those uh, games where you say, you know what, I proved my point. Right. And I remember a couple of days later, um, we were playing and uh, I called my agent and I told him, I said, you know, I'm having some swelling in my knee. You know, it's, it's just comfortable. I got to sit out a day. Ice. Man, I don't got to do this to make a living. Right. This is this is this is this is painful. Um, and I remember having a conversation with one of my mentors and I told him, I said, I like playing basketball. I enjoy the game. Right. I enjoy the competition. I enjoy all the things about it. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to play. There's a couple of things I want to be able to do. One, I don't want to be the guy hobbling around in the backyard, can't play with my kids. I, I don't want to be that guy because so many players you watch and, and, and they physically um, are compromised because of, of how long they played or because of what the game uh, did to them. I didn't want to be that guy. And two, I didn't want to – I didn't want my celebrity timeline, right, to, to essentially evaporate before I got an opportunity to, to, to um, take advantage of it, right? Yeah. And so um, I was two years removed, almost three years removed from the University of Illinois. People still remembered who Chris Gandy was at that time. Right? People may not know now, but people still remembered who Chris Gandy was at the time, right? So, you know, my name wasn't too far removed, right? So that's, for me, that became a marketing opportunity is – for me in the business I'm in is I didn't need to, to, to market myself because the university of Illinois did that for me on a massive scale. Right. So um, I chose, I remember I called my agent and I said, I'm coming home. He said, you guys got a game tomorrow. And I'm like, nah, I'm coming home, bro. Like uh, it's a wrap. I said, um, he goes, but you had a great game the other night. And I said, yeah, I said, but I said, I want to leave them on my accord, man. I said, uh, you know, unless you can show me, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, I said, this is painful. Um, my celebrity is drying up. I don't want that to, you know, go away. And, you know, I got something else to do. I, I, I can, I, I can get a job. I get things to do. I want to start my career. I'm, I'm excited about that opportunity. And, uh, and then I just, I just waited every, he called me a couple of times, say, I got a contract for you. And, you know, I, I just said, you know, at the end of the day, I said, I play for fun now. I'm not playing for money. Um, you know, and, and it just, it won't, it was check the box. It was one of those things I was able to do. And the, the key there D was I was able to walk away on my own accord. I literally walked off the court and didn't look back. I was like, okay. They were like, do you miss it? And I was like, I could go back and play if I wanted to. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. Right. And that's, uh, you know, it was, it was my conditions, not somebody else's. And, and that's um, what's important. And I, I agree with you hundred percent on it. Um, 
Jimmy Collins told me one time, he's like, Dion, at the end of the day, regardless of how long you play, you make sure you're able to do what you want to do and not what you have to do, mm-hmm. and that you do it on your time frame. So I, I love that, um, that you were able to walk away at the right time, and which mm-hmm. was your time. Mm-hmm. So you come back home and you go into finance. Mm-hmm. You go into this world that for most athletes look at it as being something that's totally abstract and different from anything that they've ever gone into. Mm-hmm. So again, you're in another realm of skill development. So you, you come back, you go into this, and now you are the founder of the Midwest Legacy Group. Mm-hmm. And not just the founder of Midwest Legacy Group, you are the president um, let me say if I'm saying this right, and I know this is the acronym NAIFA here, here in Chicago. How has that, how did that transpire for you? And and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this part. I want you to talk about how important, since you've grown into this, you've gotten into and started your own business, how that your experiences led you to that. And what you're trying to do now to not only help, you know, your clients that are um, in uh, that are physicians or doctors, but how you are taking your knowledge of being a player, a black player from the university to try to help and teach our youth and young black athletes today about life. And I know that's a lot to unpack. <laughs> I know it's a lot to unpack, yeah, but, but I, can do I have it. I confidence can do it. as as I okay, always cool. have in you had in you, Chris Gandy. I got confidence that you can unpack all of that. Both <laughs> suitcase. Give, give it, give it the ball, D. I can <laughs> exactly. I can take it from here. Do all right. Thing. So, so, so let's 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 unpeel that a little bit, right? So, so how did I get into the industry? The industry kind of found me, right? So I mentioned I was hurt, I was injured, and uh, I had to figure out what to do with the money that essentially got paid to me over a twenty eighth month month period of time, right? And so I went to see. Uh, a guy who was in the business, John Ray Jr., who is, uh, was a University of Illinois guy who played who was a wide receiver. His father was a receiver at the University of Illinois, so kudos to them. They gave me the opportunity and started to teach me what it was to be in a business similar to this where you could be in control of your own future, right? That type of environment for me was, was very helpful because there was a bunch of former athletes there. So, you know, the, 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 the discipline. We didn't need it. It was just like, here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to do it, regardless of how difficult or challenging it may be. Here's what you got to do. Right. And so as an athlete, you don't complain about the work at all. Right. You, they tell you what you do and you, you do it. Right. And if somebody else, if you're competing with the average person, you just do it twice as much because you understand the, the edge. Right. You want to have that edge along the way. Right. So. So we started in the industry and at the end of the day, I mean, we kind of started just kind of talking to people about uh, insurance and, and, and how to, you know, save money. That's it. Right. There was nothing fancy about that. Right. There was nothing about mutual funds and stocks and Hey, here's how your financial future and retirement. We weren't talking about any of that, your business and how to protect. Like, we weren't talking about none of that. We were talking about simply here's how you save money <laughs> and here's how you protect your family. That's it. Right. And so when you dial it back to those those couple things, Dion, those are those are essentially fundamentals. Right. And so I'm going to I'm going to make this even easier for you. Watch this is I started looking at the business like plays on a chalkboard. OK. All right. So so I started to realize the competition of people we were playing against at times we were playing, but they weren't. They were playing because that's just what they they thought it was something cool to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I joke all the time and I say, um, you know, I grew up in fairly modest um, means. You know, my my mother, you know, Lord bless her. I mean, she 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 put me and my sister through um, what I call life lessons. And, uh, and, you know, she never made I don't believe in her lifetime, I think, 38 or $38,000 was kind of her, her thing, right? It was kind of, she kind of hung out in that arena. She was a, um, you know, was, she's fairly a blue collar worker. She, at the end of her career, she got to kind of the uh, executive arena and kind of started to make some trends there. But, you know, for the most part, you know, this meal for me, it was the opportunity to create a quality of life that 
I never, I grew up in a way where I felt like I was, I was, I was, I was, I was broke. Right. And so my family did not have the means to do certain things. And I joke all the time about this to, to my colleagues and peers and people say, well, why do you go so hard? Like you go 14, 18 hours a day. Right. And I said, I'm afraid, uh, you know, the fear of being, I said, the fear of being broke, the fear of not having is more compelling than having it. Exactly. Trust me. It, it is, it is, it is, it, it will change your life if that ever happens to you. And so um, we went out and we just competed a different way. I mean, it, you know, they would say do 10. I would say, okay, let's go ahead and get 15, right? They say do 12 of this. We go ahead and do 13, right? And we just, we kept doing that. And I, and then once I started to understand, I was always a numbers guy, right? And, and I, over the course of time, I've started to realize numbers play an eerie part in a lot of things that we do, right? Um, angles, things like that. I learned that in sports, right? Angles and this and that, you know, those are things that, that make sense. So when we started down the pipeline of, of the industry, First thing I had to do is understand the competition. I mean, sports one-on-one, right? I had to understand the competition. Okay, what does everybody else do, right? Whatever they're doing, we're not going to do. Whatever they're doing, we're not going to do. Okay, whatever they're doing really well, we're going to borrow that and repurpose it and make it our own, right? It's the same thing in sports, right? And so what we decided to do over time was I took mental checklists, right, along the way, and then just continued to try to beat people based on um, what they felt like I was capable of accomplishing, and that's how we did it. I mean, we literally, and then over time, I would pull a couple of people that reminded me or had the same kind of mindset that I did. I'd pull them and say, hey, you're better than what they think you are. I said, let me show you how, right? And then so our business is all in the numbers, 100% numbers. So if you do one, one plus one is two. In our business, one plus one is two, but I showed them how to do one plus one is four, right? So if you, you know, one, this, you do this, you do this, but we do this and we are actually running this much ahead of everybody else that's in the marketplace. Right. That's it. And right. So, so from our clients, it was kind of interesting because our clients like you play basketball, you know, why am I going to work with you? And I told them, I said, cause I don't like losing. That's it. Right? You understand? I said, let me tell let me show you the difference. The difference is that my ability to execute on the X's and O's are much different than everybody else. And I said, if you go, well, here's what we gonna do. We, I'm gonna help you figure out how to win a championship. That's what we gonna do. We gonna do it together. And I'm gonna show you how to win a championship consistently. Not just one year, year after year, after year, after year. I'm gonna hold you accountable to doing it because you say you wanna be good at it. Not just good, but you wanna win. If we wanna win, we can win together. And a lot of our clients D is like, man, I don't know what we doing. But whatever we're doing, we're doing it with you, right? And, and a lot of it's coaching, right? Is, is, exactly. is we're coaching people um, because they didn't compete at that level. So one of the gifts that sports gave us is the ability to see things differently and the ability to execute at a very high level on an, exponential, on, a, on an exponential level. At, I mean, the devil is in the detail. So, you know, the industry has been has been old and kind of stale for a long period. I mean, it's, it, the industry is a great industry, but the industry hasn't gone through a change. And so I've looked at the industry as why not, if it hasn't gone through a change, why don't I be the catalyst for change? Why don't I be the disruptor? And so we just jumped out there and um, you know, the industry to kind of give you some statistics, um, there are 230 some 238,000 um, financial advisors that are licensed in the country. Um, less than 1% of them are represent minority and that's women, black men, that's it's women, black, Chinese across the board. Right. So it's not just us and less than 10% of them are African-American. Right. So you start to do the numbers because I've done the numbers recently and there's less than, uh, 430 financial advisors out there that are African-American. Right. And out of those that are African-American, there are less than 1% of that 400 people that are actually own the business. So I said, D, here's the deal, right? If we're going to be different, why not be as different as they come? Um, so we raised our hand and said, you know, we're going to lead the path of that change and we want to be different. We want them, we want to represent not only the marketplace, but, you know, hopefully that inspires some other people just to be a little different, um, not be whatever everybody else wants you to be and uh, be who you want to be. And, and I figured, D, if nobody else is doing it, I can do it. And uh, if they doing it, I can do it better than them, right? And so that's that competition part of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we just continue to try to uh, move the needle. Um, 
not only on a local stage, because, um, you know, they, someone, a mentor of mine told me, he said, you know, the difference between success and significance. And I said, no, he goes, you'll be successful over the course of your career. He said, but you have to learn how to be significant. And I said, oh, man, I said, what is that about? Right? I'm scratching my head. I'm like, that's philosophy there, right? You know, right. he said, he told me, he said, you know, success is all around you. He goes, significance is about what you bring to other people. He goes, so the moment you become significant is no longer about you. It's the people around you who you've helped become successful because of you. And I'm like, wow. Right. And so that then became the journey D was how many people's lives can we inspire? How many people's lives can we change? How many people's, how many, you know, how can we change the narrative? Um, and, and ultimately, how can we how can we change an industry that that, that needs a little bit of refreshing and and, um, uh, and a little bit of overhaul, right? Wow. Just be a little just be a little bit different, right? So we're moving in a world of significance. Um, you mentioned that NAFA NAFA is the National Association of Insurance and Financial Advisors. Um, I was the past president D of Chicagoland. I have resigned because now I'm on the national board. Um, uh, so I, I go to I go to Virginia now. I'm a national trustee, so I am um, to kind of give you guys an idea. To kind of, give, I mean, it's a big, it's a very important job for me um, for a couple of reasons. One, um, there's only been three trustees from the state of Illinois, and there's never been a black one. So I feel like I'm like, yes, that's 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 me, right? I, I I feel like I can carry that torch. I can I can I can represent the diversity and and the inclusion opportunity. And at the end of the day, I love to compete. So Let's let's get after it and let's 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 have some fun doing it. Well, I tell you this, CB, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm ready out on that stage. I love the success versus being significant. I am going to take that and borrow it and use it just to let you know. Right. But I'm going to take this back to one other thing, and this is the last thing, and then I'm going to let you go because I know you got a hard stop. You got things you got to get to, and I know you are an Illinois basketball fan. What sure. are you like? about what's going on um with this year's team so so it's an interesting team right um it's an interesting team because um they're non-conventional right yeah. um they're non-conventional so when you start looking at um you when you start looking at hold on sec d uh i have to uh cancel that that other zoom that just popped up on my screen i apologize um so um, this team is not conventional because you, you actually have a legitimate center, right? Um, and basically you got a bunch of guards, right? You got, you got a legitimate center and a bunch of guards. Um, uh, uh, I can't pronounce his name and I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce his name. Um, uh, Which one? Vili. V, um, the, uh, the, Georgie. He, he, yeah, yeah, Georgie. Yep. So, so he's an interesting guy because um, the role he played three years ago, two years ago, he's not playing that same role on this team. True. Right. Um, so, so he, to me that this team goes as he goes, it is hard to explain. Um, I, I think, I think he's the amoeba. He's the guy, he's the Brian Johnson of this team, right? He's the guy that you never would guess. Like he can play because he's got flat out skill, right? Um, sure. um, but I think we go. Let's go. Let's go deep into the tournament, right? So let's go first round, second round. There's never been a team that's won the NCAA tournament or even gotten to the finals without having a test. Even you know Darren's team and even you know a bunch of these teams, right? They they're going to get tested. Mm -hmm. How do they get tested? It's foul trouble. So you know you understand how this works, right? So so there's going to come a time. Where, where guys we haven't heard of and, 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 and guys like him are going to have to, 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 to take their game to the next level for them to advance. And so it's not necessarily the team, the guys that are out there playing. I mean, yes, you have some talented guys out there playing. You got some guys, some new guys. You got some transfer. I mean, you got some guys that can, that can play. But that second five, is really to me the 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 tell of the tape of how far this team can go. I mean, so I like the idea they can play up and down the floor. I like the idea that they, um, you know, they that you know they, they came back 
you know, to kind of give it, you know, keep playing. You know, I think that was good for, for the big guy. Um, you know, there's some skill development still there. Raw, you know, raw. He's a he's a raw, athletic, talented kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got the guard uh, out here who is who, who's who's talented, and um, he obviously he obviously can play. Um, but I think there's nothing wrong with him staying another year and continuing to develop. Cause as I mentioned, D it's a different game at the next level. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and then you have, you have some other guys that at times come and they fill the gaps. They shoot a lot of threes. Um, I, I watched that, um, which reminds me a little bit of when we played with Kruger, right? Kruger was like, if we can get up more shots than other people and their shots, we practice, they're good shots. Right. right. So we come down and couple passes and take a three and then try to rebound and kick it back out and shoot another. I mean, so we would do a lot of that. So it reminds me a little bit of like a little bit of Kruger's play a little bit. No, um, I, I would agree with but you. I think that this is definitely an yeah, I think this team go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think this team this team has an opportunity to go um pretty far, but you know, we've got to look at, you know, what's behind the starting five, right? And I think, you know, we'll go as far as that that next four, you know, let's call it sixth, seventh, eighth man will take us, which we don't know what that's going to look like because there were some games where I've, I've watched a couple of games where we've been exposed um, with our, with, with just our ability to be able to, to, to run up and down the floor and keep a big guy on, on some of their big guys. So we've been exposed some of that, you know, some, some ways at times. Um, um, I watched the, uh, was it the Baylor game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, no, that, that, I, I agree with you a hundred percent, and I love yeah. the, I, I love the way you're looking at it because you know, like I know, you get to a certain point, your alphas cancel themselves out, yeah. and, and so you have to look at that next line of guys that um, really step up. I agree with you. I think Georgia is going to be a big piece of what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jacob Granderson, who is now in the starting lineup uh, before he was coming off the bench, but is going to be a huge part mm -hmm. of, of what we do. And as the young players continue to develop, the, the Coleman Hawkins, the uh, Andre Carbello, and then, of course, Adam Miller, they continue to develop because they're not the um, major pieces. Like you said, those are going to be the pieces that have to step up in the way they develop mm -hmm. and how they get better will determine mm -hmm. how far uh, we go along. But, big fella, I appreciate you. I'm going to give last minute here. Uh, whatever you want to say to Illini Nation, the mic is yours. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, I feel like uh, Taden Turpin. You remember? <laughs> I remember back in the day, it was Taden Turpin, right? But, no, it's, 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 it's a privilege to be here. Um, it's, it's a privilege to wear the orange and blue and represent the University of Illinois. It's, it's, it's a godsend to be able to, to that the University of Illinois gave me the opportunity to transcend, uh, you know, my socioeconomic opportunity and be able to inspire others who wear the orange and blue and, and also to be an example for, for young men, um, specifically athletic young men uh, for numerous reasons. Uh, one is, is, is that, you know, athlete, athletics, you know, my son plays college football, right. And uh, at a D one school, uh, he's a, he's a cornerback in Northern. And, and I, I'm constantly telling him that, I mean, you have kids that, that play sports too, D and, and, and that, you know, sports is a dream with a deadline. And at some point, unless you're Tom Brady, right? It's going to, you know, asterisk Tom Brady, right? Um, it's going to end. And so, and so get as much as you possibly can. Get as many experiences as you possibly can. Build as many relationships as you can while you still have the opportunity to do so. Because at some point, you're going to need those relationships to take you to where you want to go in your next phase of life. So, you know, it's, it's a privilege to be here, man. I'm glad you you, you considered me to, to come in and, and do something special with you. And, uh, man, I miss you. I love you, man. And always great to, 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 to be a part of the Illini family and, and uh, be a part of something like this. Well, I, I can tell you, this is not the last time I'm going to pull your coattail because we got to get you back down on, on campus more uh, because there's a lot of young people that 
could benefit from your story, from your person, from your knowledge, and you could be significant to them as they move forward in their lives. I am extremely proud of you, um, young fella. As you say, I called you my young brother, You're my young, my little brother then. You're still my little brother. I love mm -hmm. you. I appreciate you coming on here, man. And I am extremely proud of you and for all that you have done and all that you will do. So thank you again for coming on. I appreciate you. The Gandhi man. <laughs> <laughs> RD. Alina Nation. Go ILL. I and I, baby. So Alina Nation, we're going to close this one out. Love, peace, and hair grease. And do not forget to go on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Press that button. Subscribe. Leave your comments. Always interested in what you have to say. And last but not least, follow the field of 68 Media Network. Do not forget to like them as well as subscribe. Appreciate you all. And as Chris said, ILL. Mm -hmm.